I do with new donors so that I don't lose them? I get this question all the time from the leaders that I work with. And the answer is, you want to learn as much about your new donors as possible so that you can communicate with them with more intimacy. In today's episode, I'm going to give you an easy, low-hanging fruit strategy for gathering information about your donors so that you can begin to segment and personalize your emails, your donor appeals, and even your events. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I'm Brooke Ritchie Babbage. I've been in the social impact game for 25 years as a social justice lawyer turned two-time nonprofit founder and leader turned growth strategist and coach for leaders around the country. I grew my nonprofit from me and an intern in a tiny closet to a high-impact seven-figure organization. And along the way, I learned so, so much about how to build an organization that has real impact and how to do it without burning out. In this podcast, I share the nuts and bolts of all of it, so you can do that too. We dive into the mindset, strategies, and tactics of how to scale a high-impact organization and how to do it in a way that's truly sustainable. One of the biggest mistakes that I see executive directors make is treating their donor communication like billboards. We make broad statements that we hope will appeal to the most people, like a billboard, trying to grab the attention of passing drivers. That's the absolute wrong way to engage with your donors, especially once they've raised their hands and said, I like what you're doing enough to give you a donation, even a small one. These people gave for a reason. They care about your work. They care about your mission for a reason. There's something compelling or exciting or inspiring about your work. And your job is to figure out what that thing is with as much detail and specificity as possible. Your job is not to assume and definitely not to treat donors like they're all giving for the same reason. And I can say this with so much sort of oomph or clarity because it's one of the easiest traps to fall into. There is a fear and you can raise your proverbial hand if this resonates, that we're leaving money on the table if we don't somehow use messaging or language or events or appeals that capture the greatest number of people. What if we presented what we're doing in a way that tapped into the hearts and minds of this particular community of people we didn't even know would be excited by our work? What if we leave that money, that engagement, that community on the table by not being broad in our messaging? So I like to tell a story about that fear. First, I will say I get it. (laughs) I get it so, so much. It is a fear and a um, it's a struggle that I really had for most of the time that I ran my organization and that I was very conscious of working against, right? Working to remind myself that that's not actually how efficient, systematized fundraising works, Um, that we're not actually leaving money on the table and that the pie is so much bigger than we think it is. And, and I just had this conversation in a coaching call this past week when we were talking about donor stewardship, that actually we don't need as much of the pie from donors as we think we do. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start with a, a story. I tell this story 
a lot actually inside my coaching program. So anyone listening who has been inside Next Level Nonprofit has heard this before, but it resonates with folks. So I'll share it here. I went to a dinner party about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit before that, when a book called Warmth of Other Suns had just come out. And I get to the party and I was obsessed with this book. I loved it. I had taken like two days off work to read this book. I found it really compelling. And I just sat in a cafe and read it. And so I go to this dinner party and it's very top of mind for me. And I meet this other woman. I'll call her Annie. And Annie also loved the book, just happened to be at this party for a mutual friend. And we both love this book. And we spent the majority of this party talking about this book and what part did you like? And, oh, this was just like with my grandmother and, oh, I had this experience and my husband's dad had this experience. And it was just, it really resonated with us. I had never met Annie, but we had this thing in common. So fast forward about a week later, I get an email from Annie and the author of the book is going to be at a Barnes and Noble in Union Square. Just one of the, you know, She's going to read from her book and sign copies. And Annie wanted to know if I wanted to join her. So I tell that story and and I did, and it was great. And the reason that I tell that story in the context of fundraising is that you actually want your donors to feel more like how I felt getting the email from Annie than how I might feel walking past one of the you know huge billboards on Broadway Lafayette. That sense of personal, intimate communication that was specifically for me that said, we have this thing in common. Let's have this shared experience. I'm inviting you into the shared experience because of this thing we have in common. We like this same thing, right? That is how you want your donors to feel. Like they are receiving personal, intimate communication specifically for them that indicates that they are in a relationship with the organization. Billboards are for everyone. You can walk past them and they can strike a chord, but you don't take action because of a billboard because you know they're not for you. They're not about you. But that email that I got from Annie saying, we have this thing that we both like. Let's do this together. Let's experience this thing that we both like together. That was personal. That was personalized. And it meant a lot. And I really enjoyed exploring this shared interest with this new friend. Your donors don't want to be treated like one of the masses. That's how they'll respond like one of the masses if that's how they're treated. The less personal and attached to your organization you treat them, the less personally connected and attached they will act, right? So it all starts with knowing as much about them as possible. In my joint online course with Ria Wong, which is amazing. Fund your strategic vision. If you have not checked that out, if you are thinking at all about how to structure your fundraising to bring people into your vision for strategic impact, I definitely suggest checking out that course. It's very tight and focused, comes with lots of worksheets and examples. You can get it at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash fund your strategic vision. So anyway, in this course, Rhea has an entire two lessons about donor surveys and communicating with your donors. And she dedicates so much time because it's super critical. Today, I want to talk about one specific easy way 
to gather information from your donors that doesn't require people power and can be set up and scaled with very little investment. Engagement tracking through email analytics. What do I mean by this? Use your email platform's analytics tools. So by email platform, I mean MailChimp, ConvertKit. Use your email platform's analytics tools to track donor engagement, specifically things like open rates, right? What percentage of people open the emails that you send? Click-through rates. When you include links in your emails, how many people click on those links? And the engagement time with each email. Now, if your head is exploding, don't worry. I'm going to walk through this. It's super simple. And like I said, low-hanging fruit, easy to scale. So let's start with what the heck I'm talking about. When you send your emails to your current donors, what you want to start looking at, get in the habit of tracking, is which emails do they open, which links do they click, and what type of content generates the most response. You're going to add tags to certain links inside your emails so that your email service provider, MailChimp, Content Contact, ConvertKit, is automatically tracking and creating lists for you of the people who respond in particular ways, the people who open a certain type of email, the people who click on a particular kind of link when you send a video versus when you send an article, and which emails are open, right, by how many people. So you can use tags inside your email service provider to set this up and generate this information for you automatically. And this data can help you begin to understand what topics or types of content resonate the most with your audience, with your donors. This allows for more personalized communication down the line. So why is this so powerful and effective? Why are things like tracking your emails and email analytics, which sound really wonky, why are they so important? So I talked about the first reason, personalization. When you understand the topics and types of content that your donors are actually interested in, the nature of their connection to your organization, you can personalize your communication. You can make it feel more like that email from Annie than like a billboard. You can make what you send them more relevant. You can ask questions that get them to engage. That personalization can deepen their sense of connection to and attachment to your organization, that sense of intimacy. The second reason is that once you gather information, who's clicking on which links, who's opening which emails, what types of emails are most popular, it helps with segmentation. Now, segmentation basically means talking to different groups of your email list, your donors in different ways. And your email service provider can help you set up different segments super easily. What that allows you to do is engage differently with different segments. So it's related to personalization. But when you segment content, you might have some people who are really, really excited about a particular program that you run in a particular community or a particular type of advocacy work or research work that you do. And they want to hear more about that. And the other folks in your list maybe don't, right? So analytics, tracking, who cares about what, helps you segment your audience so you can engage with them around their interests. The third reason builds on the second, which is improving your email strategy. Once you're able to segment, 
you can refine your email strategy over time. You can focus on sending the emails that work the best and discarding the less effective approaches. You can see, for example, that some percentage of your community opens every email you send every week. Great. Send them more emails. You can also realize that click-through rates go up, right? The percentage of people who click on an email in on a link inside your email goes up during the holidays or during a particular time of year that is relevant to the work that you do. Great. Send more emails, right? Include more of those kinds of links. So you can start to be more strategic about your communication with your donors by personalizing, segmenting the data that you have about them. And the final reason actually encompasses all of this, optimizing your resources. For small nonprofits, resource optimization is critical. Being strategic and intentional about where you spend time and where you focus energy and money can make all the difference when you're trying to grow without burning out. Things like analytics and email analytics can help you maximize the impact of your donor stewardship and communication without additional costs. It can tell you literally who to send which emails to, which then means you're not wasting time, energy, spending sending emails to people who aren't going to open them or who might want different kinds of emails. So we've talked about what I mean by engagement tracking and email analytics and segmentation. We've talked about why these things are so important, particularly when it comes to optimizing limited resources. So now I want to walk through, how do you do this, right? What does this look like in practice? And it's actually really simple. First, you need to make sure that your email service provider actually allows link tracking tagging and segmentation. I love ConvertKit for this reason, and I think MailChimp is also pretty good about this. What kinds of links can you learn from? When I talk about looking at who clicks on which links and your click-through rates, meaning the number of people or percentage of people that actually click on links that you include, what kinds of links are going to give you the best information? Right, You can include a link to a program calendar, but is that going to be as telling, as helpful to you as including a link to, say, an article. So I recommend thinking about links in the following five categories. The first is educational resources. These are links to articles, reports on your website, blog posts, things that educate your donors about what you do. Ideally, ones that you have created or written These do not have to be things that you've created or written. Just like in Annie's email to me, she hadn't written the book, but she said, hey, we both care about this thing. Here's a resource. So you you want to include educational resource links because that will allow you to track which topics are clicked on the most. And you can start to understand what actually interests your audience, what type of education they are interested in getting from you. Second is multimedia content. This is links to videos, photo galleries, things that showcase your work or and or highlight visually important issues that you're working on. So engagement with these links can indicate a preference for multimedia content. That's great to know because then you can increase these in how you communicate with people. The third is event registration. Anytime you have an event, links for event signups give you a lot of information about 
the kinds of events that people are interested in. And you can also track, are there people that engage with events and activities more, say, than they engage with your educational resources or multimedia content? That is a great piece of information to know about your donors. Do they respond to events? Do they respond to online campaigns? That's like a top level differentiator that can help you then put the kind of information in front of each of these donors that they will respond to. If this is a donor that clicks on, you know, nine out of 10 event registration links, but has never once opened an educational resource, right? A blog post or an article. Great. They like events. Invite them to events. Deepen that rabbit hole with them. The fourth is specific donation pages. So direct links to your donation pages, especially if you have, say, a monthly giving page or a donation page for a specific campaign that you're doing. This helps you track which campaigns, particularly online campaigns, are the most effective at encouraging donations. If you have a peer-to-peer campaign, which pages do people go to the most? Helps you see you know, what language is resonating with people the most, right? What actually drove them to take action? And finally, volunteer opportunities. If it's applicable for your organization, including links to volunteer signup pages and more information about how to get involved and seeing who tracks those helps you begin without having to do a lot of outreach, helps you draw out people who are already in your community, who are already giving, draw people out who want a deeper engagement right? And by including links and tagging those links, anybody that clicks is automatically added to a volunteer interest, say, um, list, right? So it's doing that work for you. So those are the five kinds of links that I think you want to think about including in your emails. What kinds of emails should you send to do this? So if we've got our links, these are the things we're looking for people to click on. Where can you put those links as you're thinking about, say, your email strategy, your newsletter strategy, your outreach strategy for the next three months. The first kind of email where you want to begin to include these links that will give you information is your welcome series. When someone donates, they should get a welcome series. This is a series of emails that introduces your organization more fully, reminds them of why they gave, thanks them recognizes their gift, and pulls them more deeply into the work of your organization. Every donor should be automatically put into hopefully an automated welcome series. It's a really low-hanging fruit thing to set up. ConvertKit and MailChimp both have pretty easy ways to set up what are called automations, which is you write the series of emails once, and anybody that donates through your donate page automatically goes into that automation seat sequence, and they'll just get the welcome series. So inside of that welcome series, you can include an educational article, maybe a video about work that you've done, and an invitation to an upcoming cultivation event. And then you get to see who clicks on what, right? So right away, you're learning something about people who have just given, right, through this welcome series. The second type of email that you want to be sending where you can include these links sort of intentionally and strategically is in your regular newsletters. These are newsletters that cover your recent activities, success stories, upcoming events, volunteer opportunities, your impact. Consider including sections that are about different types of work that you do, right? You include a section that says, here's 
an article that my staff is loving right now. Here's a report that we just put out. And you also include a link that says, and check out, you know, a video of our playground, the playground that we just built being used, right? So you sprinkle in these different kinds of links. And again, you can analyze which links are being clicked on the most to understand your donor's interests. So these are ways where you are, these are strategies for gathering information without doing any extra work. You should already be sending your newsletters. The third is any time that you send a fundraising appeal, direct appeals for donations. So you should be doing that multiple times a year. You have your online campaigns. You can include and you should include different kinds of content in those campaigns. So videos, photographs, articles that you've done, impact reports that you've created, things that flesh out and bring to life whatever the campaign issue is that you're raising money for. And in addition to people clicking on and giving a donation, you're learning about what it is that most interests the people who are getting these emails, right? You can observe which campaigns, which language, which types of appeals resonate the most with your audience. And finally, Think about links inside invitations to events, invitations to community events, um, cultivation events, webinars, workshops. You can track RSVP, and we talked about tracking event registration, but you can also include background information, right? So we are hosting this community event, and here's a really interesting video of the last one. Right? Or here's a great blog article that someone on our team wrote or that one of our young people wrote or that someone in our community wrote that is about the thing that we are hosting the community event around. Right, And start to see, does including that background information deepen interest and help support people in wanting to engage in your communities, your community events and the kinds of things you're inviting them to? So that's where you put the five kinds of links that we talked about, right? There's your welcome series, your ongoing newsletter, your appeals, and your invitations. Finally, I want to give you a quick run through of what you're looking for in all of this data. So you identified one or two kinds of links. You do not have to start with all five. I should have said that. You've identified identified one or two kinds of links that you want to start to include in your emails to begin to segment your audience, right? I think of the five that I mentioned, the educational resources one, the articles, the reports, the blog posts, information about your mission can be the most telling because it will help you begin to discern the nature of the affinity that different donors have. And I said at the beginning of this episode that not all donors give for the same reason. And I'll say it even more strongly, every donor gives for their own personal reason. And so the educational resources types of links can help you begin to create lists of, pe lists of people who are particularly interested in particular aspects of what you do. So I think of all five, if you wanted to start with just one kind of link to begin to sprinkle into your emails, I would start with that one. We talked about where to put them. So here's what you're looking for. First, Track which emails have the highest open rates. Are they the ones that come with certain subject lines? Are they the ones sent at specific times of day? Are they the ones about particular topics? 
This helps in understanding what prompts your donors to engage with your emails. Second, look at which links within your emails are clicked most frequently. I think a nice A-B test, you know, two different kinds of educational content. So one is about affinity area or issue A, and a second is about affinity issue B, and see who clicks on which. You can also try an educational link and a multimedia link. Do people want the articles, the blog posts, the reports, or do they want the videos and the photo galleries? So sometimes including two links within one helps you begin to understand which ones are most resonant, which calls to action, which topics are going to resonate the most. Finally, try sending two versions of the same email with one variable changed. So you have same email, but different subject lines. Same email, different times of the day. Same email, different content layout. And see which performs better. This is a really direct way to test what works best with your audiences. So that is my mini training on the hot topic of engagement tracking through email analytics. And I want to circle back and just remind you of why, even though this sounds wonky and hyper-technical, why it's really, really important if you are trying to grow your organization and to do it in a way that doesn't feel like you're scratching and clawing for every new donor and every repeat donor and every new partner, finding ways to systematize and be intentional about and strategic about where you allocate your time and your resources is absolutely crucial. And learning from your analytics fuels that understanding. It makes it possible for you to be intentional. So on that note, I will say good luck. I'm going to include links in the show notes to the Fund Your Strategic Vision course that I mentioned, which is very specifically about building sort of a fundraising plan and system. I'm also going to include links to a few recommendations that I have for how to think about setting up automations and some tools and resources there. And I hope this was helpful and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind. Thanks so much for joining me this week. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review. I read every single one and they really do matter. I also share extra tidbits and resources building on what we talk about here in my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. You can sign up by texting the word IMPACT to 66866. And finally, definitely check out the links and resources that I mentioned in this episode at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash podcast. See you next week.